um, just in a, for a point of transparency, it's funny as God expands your territory and he expands your coast and he opens opportunities, um, sometimes it's easy to get in your head um, and to allow thoughts from the enemy to distract you. And so just as a, a, a moment of transparency, that, that's where I was, but I, I'm thankful for a wife and a sister who can pray you out of that place and back to where you are supposed to be. <clears throat> so there is a word from the Lord this morning. If you would, I ask that you, if you have your Bibles, turn in uh, the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Whether you have a, uh, whether you dust off your old uh, uh, physical Bible or you are using a smartphone or iPad, you know, we uh, 21st century preachers, we, we like to use our iPads and we, yeah, yeah, we, lo we love all that stuff. But Isaiah, the 26th chapter, if you've been in church or around the church for any length of time, you have heard uh, this scripture at some point in time. Isaiah 26 and 3, if you have it, say, I've got it. And if you need a minute, say, hold up. Amen. Isaiah 26 and 3, I'll be reading from the New International Version. You will find these similar words recorded. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Again, Isaiah 26 and 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If you would bow your heads just for a moment, spirit of the living God, fall fresh now, God, on me. I pray, God, that none of my faults, flaws, or failures will hinder the free-flowing move of your spirit in this moment. God, I thank you. Consecrate me to your service, God. Move and allow your word, God, to accomplish all that it has been set out to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I have been given the awesome task and responsibility of talking just for a few minutes to you this morning about experiencing God through our emotions. Experiencing God through our emotions. And if I had to use a title, it would simply be, I'm not gonna lose my mind. I'm not gonna lose my mind. Look at somebody just, uh, I, hope, I hope it's all right if I just kinda act, act like I'm at grace today. If you would look at the person next to you, help me to preach it, and just tell them I'm, I'm not gonna lose my mind. It, it might look like it right now, but, but I'm not going to lose 
my mind. Snapped. Snapped is an American true crime television series. This series depicts the bizarre reality cases of women who are, have been accused of murder. Each episode attempts to uncover the motivation of the murder. Was, was it revenge against the cheating husband or lover? Was it a, uh, for a large insurance payoff? Uh, or is it the ending of years to uh, years of abuse. The reasons toward the murder are as varied as the killers themselves. And I mention this particular show simply because some might say that these women were pushed to the breaking point and in whatever their situation, they simply just lost it or they lost their minds. Millions of Americans struggle with mental illness in one form or another. Um, I believe, if my statistics are correct, at least since COVID, at least 25%, there has been a 25% increase uh, in cases of depression or uh, with issues of mental illness. That is just simply since COVID. There has been a significant increase as we uh, deal with the issues of depression and anxiety. Suicide rates are increasing, and this includes pastors and those of us who call ourselves Christians. Again, uh, remember, suicide rates are increasing, and this includes pastors as well as those of us who simply say we are followers of Christ. I read somewhere that according to, I believe it was Christianity Today, this probably has changed, but approximately one in four pastors have struggled with mental illness. One in four, that means for every four people sitting on your row, one of them, uh, if you were a pastor, one of you has contemplated suicide. One of you has uh, dealt with the issue of depression. With the daily stresses of work, family, school, and everything else in between, people find it difficult to cope with the ever-increasing stresses of life. Mass, mass shootings have become the norm rather than the exception. Instead of fire drills and tornado drills, kids are, are, are having to endure uh, active shooter drills. <clears throat> you remember we used to get under our desk and we would just cover our heads and simply uh, we would uh, be told when the tornado or an earthquake comes you get you find a strong uh, surface and you get underneath a strong table or a strong desk and you simply duck and cover but now kids are having to learn how to deal with the reality of someone coming into their school their safe place their place of learning uh, with the intent to kill these statistics, these ideas, these thoughts, these situations, these circumstances are, are depressing. So uh, I don't want to leave us there, but I've got to uh, kind of create some tension this morning because uh, there are some things that are going on in our world that we have to deal with. Uh, but the reality is, as we deal with these things, we express emotion. 
I know you were, you were probably looking for something real deep, but uh, if you stay with me, I promise we'll, we'll get somewhere. I only have about 20, 20 minutes left, so we, um, we're going to get there real quick, and then I promise we'll, we'll, we'll be done. So just a quick intro into the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is a great masterpiece from at least two perspectives. It is a literary masterpiece in its stirring poetic cadences and its gripping imagine, um, imagery. Excuse me. It is also a theological masterpiece managing to contain its 66 in its 66 chapters virtually the whole of biblical theology. That's only in the 66 books of Isaiah. From God's transcendence through creation and redemption to the final destiny of the cosmos. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah bring a message of divine judgment for God's people. However, the last 26 chapters speak of events that will occur after their captivity. Isaiah foretells of the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He speaks about the coming of the new heavens and new earth when God's people will be completely restored. Because all believers will participate in this new world to come, we can have confident hope in the future. So let me quickly jump to our text. Isaiah says, he, you will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on you. Perfect peace. What, what does this phrase perfect peace mean? Uh, well, it's a complete wholeness that God can bring into motion or, uh, excuse me, into a nation or a person who will trust completely in him. It's not merely the absence of conflict, but rather complete wholeness. The word shalom used here for perfect peace simply means three things. Peace with God, peace with others, and peace within yourself. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me back up. Let me flip it, reverse it, slow down just for a minute. The word shalom here used for perfect peace means three things. One, peace with God. That's your salvation. Peace with others. That's your community. Peace within yourself. Guess what? That's your mental health. If you just allow me to stretch it just a little bit, that peace within yourself is having, uh, being in a place where you understand even though there are so many things going on around you, even though there are so many situations and you're in, uh, you find yourself in dire circumstances, the peace of God, the shalom is always, if, is always with you when you keep your mind stayed on the Lord. The people of God, the chosen people, were dealing with judgment, exile, and captivity. This lets me know that even as a child of God, I'm going to have to deal with some hard times. I'm going to have to deal with some difficult emotions. Jesus himself said, in this life, you will. Uh, he didn't say you might have trouble. He didn't say it's possible. Jesus uh, said, you will have trouble. So why, why talk about all of these things? We're, we're supposed to be talking about experiencing God through your emotions. I'm glad you asked. Y'all are a great class. I'm going to try to answer that question very quickly. So uh, he says uh, those 
who keep their mind stayed on him will uh, be in perfect peace. What does it mean to keep your mind stayed? It simply means a fixed disposition. It means continual uh, attitude of prayer. The Hebrew means to lean, lay, rest, support, put, uphold, and lean upon. Uh, when you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, that means you've got to sometimes lean on him. That means sometimes you've got to rest in him. That means sometimes you've got to support yourself on him. That means you've got to put up, hold, and lean upon the Lord. It means to uh, sustain, refresh, and revive. If we further break up the verse, uh, the last part says, because he trusts in you. That is a complete reliance on God's word or promise. A complete reliance on God's word or promise. So, I, I, I'm not only, uh, I not only get to be a pastor, but I'm also a therapist, and that means I get to work with so, so many different people, and uh, one of the things that I am learning is our stories, even though they are different, our experience as human beings is the same. I can have five clients in one day, and it seems like there's a theme or a string that continually goes throughout the day with each client, because as human beings, we all experience emotion. So if you will, uh, let me just use just a couple of case studies and then uh, we'll, 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 be, we'll be done. We still, as children of God, experience negative emotions, but because of the peace of God, those emotions don't overwhelm us. <clears throat> what are those emotions, Pastor? Okay, the first emotion I want to uh, do a case study on is grief. Has anybody ever experienced grief? Uh, grief may be more than emotion. It's, it's, it's more like a state of being. It's more like a state of mind. It's more uh, of having to deal with uh, circumstances. But if you will, if you remember John in uh, Jesus in John chapter 11 and verse 35, it's the shortest, ver uh, shortest verse, if you will, of the Bible. It's two words. It says, Jesus wept. Yeah, Jesus wept. And if you understand the context, <clears throat> Jesus had some friends uh, by the name of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And uh, his, his, his boy Lazarus had, had died. And, and Jesus uh, decided he wasn't immediately going to go and deal with his boy Lazarus. So uh, I believe it says that he waited four uh, extra days. To, he, waited for, uh, he waited for Lazarus's body to uh, start to decay in the tomb. Jesus waited before he went to deal with the issue of Lazarus being dead. It, the funny thing about Jesus is he says that uh, Lazarus is not dead, but he's asleep. The, the disciples didn't necessarily understand that. So uh, they said, well, if he's asleep, then why don't we go and wake him up? Jesus said, okay, I've got to tell you plainly, he's, he's, he's dead. Does it make sense? 
doesn't make sense now. He's, he's dead. So when Jesus finally gets there, Mary comes out and says, uh, if you had been here, Jesus, uh, my brother would not have died. Martha says, if you had been here, Jesus, uh, uh, my brother would not have died. Uh, the Bible then says plainly that Jesus wept. Why did Jesus wept? Not because he did not know what the outcome was going to be. Jesus wept because he felt the grief and he felt the pain of losing a close friend. He felt the pain and the hurt and the grief of seeing his friends uh, weeping and crying and grieving over their brother being lost. I have to move forward, but Jesus, Jesus wept. So uh, as we experience emotion and experience God through our emotion, we can do that simply uh, knowing that Jesus himself experienced grief. I promise we're going somewhere. Stay, stay with me. We'll get to our destination. Joy. Uh, the first, uh, actually, let me skip over joy and come back. Anger. How many have ever gotten a little uh, angry uh, in your life? You know, we can, we can admit that we sometimes get, okay, so, so maybe, maybe y'all don't get upset. Maybe y'all don't get angry. Maybe, you know, y'all, everything is pie in the sky. Everybody's happy all the time. Maybe there aren't some people in your life that are difficult to love. Maybe there aren't some family members that get on your last, okay. Um, there, there sometimes we, we, we find ourselves angry. But it's okay to be angry because Jesus himself was angry. Okay, uh, what are you talking about? In Matthew chapter 21, if you remember, uh, they, the, the, the tax collectors were, uh, they were, they were selling uh, and they were buying and selling in the temple and they were doing uh, some things that were not pleasing to Jesus. So when Jesus came in, oh, meek and mild Jesus, oh, Jesus born in a manger, uh, oh, Jesus born out in a barn with uh, the sheep dung and with the, the, the horse dung and with the cow. This Jesus came into the temple and flipped the tables over and said, this uh, will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So see, Jesus, if Jesus can get angry, okay, y'all, y'all ain't going with me. If Jesus can get angry, then sometimes I can get angry. The Bible even says that God's anger lasts for but a moment. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy. Oh. All right. All right. We, we got to move. We got to move. So we've experienced grief. We've experienced anger. Did you know that there were some, some people in the Bible who experienced anxiety and depression? Yes, it's even in the Bible. David, one of my favorite, one of my favorite cats in the in the Bible, he says, Why are you, my soul, so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He flips it and says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. For I will praise him regardless of the fact that my soul is downcast. I will praise him regardless of the fact that my spirit is vexed. I will yet praise him. Yeah, yeah. If you remember Saul, if you go back, and, I, and, I, and I'm just doing some quick case studies here. I, if you go back and, and you look uh, these folks up, yes, we always hear about them, but I bet you 
probably have not heard about them in, in this context. Saul, uh, the Bible says that God sent a spirit that disturbed Saul. And the only thing that was soothed Saul was when David played his harp. So I, 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 would, I would contend and I would argue here that not only David experienced anxiety and depression because Saul, the very man who was supposed to be mentoring him, ended up trying to kill him because of his jealousy. This is the same man that David had to turn around and then encourage himself. Let me pause here and parenthetically add that sometimes there will be some people in your life that instead of encouraging, uh, you, you, you want to give them a piece of the mind that you feel like you're already losing. So, okay. David had to encourage the very man who wanted to take his life. All right, we've, we've talked about grief, we've talked about anger, we've talked about anxiety and depression. I'm only, I've got to speak this way because I'm, I, I have to speak from my own personal frame of reference, but uh, the second to the last thing I want us to remember uh, is that there is a man who experienced, uh-oh, suicidal ideation. I know it's a little weird. This, this message is a little weird, but um, I'm, I'm, taking my, I'm taking off. They say I don't always land my plane well, but I can take off and we're going to cruise at 30, 33,000 and I promise we'll, we'll land in just a minute. But there's a man by the name of Elijah who defeated several hundred of the prophets of Baal. This Elijah had one of the greatest victories on Mount Carmel. But this same Elijah who had called down fire from heaven, this same Elijah, when he got word that a woman decided she wanted to take his life after destroying the hundreds of prophets, Elijah decided, now I'm scared. Yeah, one person came after Elijah and he got scared. So Elijah found himself, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Oh, let me stop there. He isolated himself. He went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom uh, bush, sat under it, and prayed, here it is, that he might die. Elijah said, I have had enough. Has anybody ever gotten to the point where you said, God, I've had, I've had enough. You don't have to admit it here because, you know, when we're in church, we can't always be real. When we're in church, you know, as, as, as church people, sometimes we get to the point where we have to wear so many masks that we don't even realize who we are ourselves. But if you allow me just to keep it real, even for Elijah, he says, I'm tired, I'm, I've had enough enough. God, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Elijah then says, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah wanted God to take him out. And if we, we admit, maybe you can't, but I can, I can admit this. Um, there were some times in my life that I found myself saying, God, 
those around me would be better off if I wasn't here. Yeah, that it's a hard truth for us to hear sometimes, but there uh, were at least two occasions when I found myself having to check, yes, even preaching, even pastoring, even leading worship, even being a pastor's son, even having grown up in the church, even after all of that, it got to a point where I said, God, I've had enough. I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of feeling this pain. God, if you just take me out of here, God, my wife, God, my, my family will be able, uh, they'll be better off without me because my life insurance is worth more than I am, God, alive. Elijah said, I've had enough, Lord. I'm tired. If you read further, you know that God encouraged Elijah, that God showed up for Elijah and that God ministered to him and provided for Elijah. I don't have time to go there, but the last, the last case study I, I want to uh, I want to go over here is my boy Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, "Go and enjoy cho choice food and sweet drinks." and send some to those who have nothing prepared. He says, this is holy, uh, this day is holy to our Lord. He says, do not grieve for the joy, here it is, of the Lord is my strength. So yes, we experience grief. Yes, we experience anger. Yes, we experience anxiety. Yes, we, we uh, experience depression. Yes, we can experience uh, the thoughts of suicide. Yes, we can experience sadness. Yes, we can experience all of those things that seem to be negative and draw us and bring us down. But the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay, what does that mean? That means even in the darkest of circumstances. I believe it was David that said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Let me pause here and, and, and add parenthetically that if you have a shadow, you've got to have light. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can only have a shadow when you have light. So therefore, David understood that even above the shadow, there had to be a light. So I'm only going to be in that shadow for a brief moment because I know that the light, it, I know that the light is coming. So after I've experienced all of those things, I get to experience joy. But let me let you in on a secret. Did you know that God is in the grief? Did you know that God is in the anger? Did you know that God is in the sadness? Did you know that God is in the valley? Did you know that God is in all of your circumstances? As we used to say, your trials and your tribulations. Did you know that God is right there with you? 
And if you just need to remember that he's with you, the Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. So even at your lowest point, you can be like David and say, I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Even at my lowest point, I will yet praise him. I will continue to praise him. I will praise him in spite of, and I know if I praise him, his presence will be right there with me. That, that's, that's technically really all I have for you. Um, I, you know, I wanted to have some deep exegesis and, you know, some good hermit. You know, I wanted to make sure my hermeneutics were good and I wanted to make sure I exegeted, you know, what was in the text and not exegeted what was in my mind into the text. See, I've got to do this for Tracy because, you know, she's got about 27 and a half degrees. So I'm just trying to let Tracy know that, hey, I can hang with you, my sister, as well. But the last thing in order to ensure that I'm not going to lose my mind. How can I ensure that? Number one, I've got to keep my mind stayed on him. Number two, I've got to trust in him. I'm not going to lose my mind, number three, because God is my salvation. Isaiah 12 and 2, not only is he my savior, the one who saves me, but he is my salvation, the one in whom I am safe. How how much longer do I have? Like three minutes? Two minutes? Okay. Um, It's so funny that Tracy chose that song, You Are My Strength, because my next point is simply this. I'm not going to lose my mind because God is my strength. Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul said, in my weakness, my, his strength is made perfect. Has anybody ever been in a weakened state in your life and realized that you seem to be stronger than you were before you ended up in that weakened state? The simple reason is when you are at your lowest, when you are in pain, when you are dealing with grief, when you are sad, when you are depressed, you are forced then to trust in God. You are forced to trust in the only one who is able to lift you up, the only one who tells us that grace and mercy shall follow. Did you know that grace and mercy are chasing after you? I I have no idea how I got over there, but the Bible, again, David tells us that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. The words shall follow me simply means they will pursue. So all you've got to remember as I sit down today that grace and mercy are pursuing you. So as you go through your darkest times, as you go through your weakest times, as you deal with every situation, trial, uh, circumstance, tribulation, whatever it is that you're going through, remember that grace and mercy, that goodness and mercy are following behind you. They are chasing you. So every time you get to a place where you feel like God is not with you turn around and remember that goodness and mercy are following you because of all of these things I'm not going to lose my mind I better stop there
I better stop there. Um, as I was looking at this, this message, my wife Janae will tell you, I've been preaching since I was 19. But it wasn't until the last two years, I'm 38 now, that God really began to show me, no, you've got to throw everything that you've learned. You can put it on a shelf over here. There may be some things you can reference, but there's some stuff you just, you need to leave that in the past because I'm shifting and I'm making some things new. And I only bring that up because I struggled. I struck, and I've learned that, trans, that transparency, apparently God just loves to strip me in front of everybody, and I have to have these conversations with God. They don't need to know my business, but he says, you know what? Uh, you don't get to dictate that. So um, as I was getting ready, I was like, I only have this point and I only have that point and I don't feel like it's flowing and I'm going and I know, you know, I do spiritual direction with Matt and I'm like, I know Matt is like my big brother. He's like a mentor to me and I'm like, okay, when he goes back and listens to this, is he going to be like, oh my God, why did they allow this nut to come in and preach in the pulpit? But I said, okay, God, I'm going to go with what you gave me. And so I encourage you, wherever you are in life, go with what God gives you. And as you go with what he gives you, you'll be surprised that uh, as you step, as you go, just like Abraham, as you go, he'll show you your destination. He'll give you your left turn. He'll give you your right turn. He'll tell you when to stand still. He'll tell you when to move forward. He will tell you when to rest. Yes, uh, we need to rest. And he'll tell you when to start back up again. So I was struggling. And she looked at me and said, you do this every week. But you know good and well. She said it to me a little bit differently, but I got to make it, uh, you know, the rated G version because sometimes my wife talks to me, you know, a little bit cash crazy. But she said, you know, you, you, you need to remember every time you preach, you go through this. So the problem is not that God is not speaking. The problem is that you're too busy trying to perfect it yourself when all you've got to do is rely on the spirit of God and allow God to use you in whatever way he wants. So I had to say yes, dear, and sit down and trust. So you're not going to lose your mind because all you've got to do is trust in him. <laughs> 